Hey, this is Jeffrey Wu with the Health Via Modern Nutrition Podcast, the HVMN Podcast. And this episode is a free fatty Friday, number two. So for those of you who are just tuning in and missed free fatty Friday, number one, I'm going to give you a brief overview of what this new segment's all about. And this new segment is all about a rapid fire Q&A session from questions from the community and folks out there who are just tuning in and part of our tribe. And I know we've got a lot of new listeners and not a lot of new uh, folks who've joined the community through the new Netflix docuseries called Unwell, which just dropped a couple weeks ago in mid-August. And it's awesome to have fresh faces and new questions and new ideas being explored with all of you. I've already gotten so many questions that go beyond our typical wheelhouse, but of course we're always going to have our content focused on human performance, physiology, metabolism, fasting, ketosis, longevity, all of that good stuff. We'll continue to have awesome interviews, long-form discussions with leading academics, researchers, scientists, performers, athletes, folks that are competing and doing all of this at the very highest levels in the field. We're going to keep doing the deep dives into the research papers and subject dives into specific topics around fasting, ketosis, all different protocols. But I've also wanted to explore other aspects of the world, our culture, where we're at in modern civilization today. And hopefully this rapid fire Q&A format allows me to explore in some of those topics that you might be curious to get my take on. So... These will be a rapid-fire Q&A session. I'm going to time box myself for five minutes for each question. So we'll keep this fun. We'll keep this going. We're going to dive into our first question today. I'm going to get my timer set up here. I'm going to give myself five minutes. And let's go to Cooper C., who asks, what is the best way to increase testosterone? Asking for a friend. No need to even ask for a friend. I think that's an interesting question for every man and generally every human because even women and men, we have testosterone, estradiol, estrogen, uh, just at very different ratios and different levels. Before talking about testosterone and supporting that specifically, I do want to make a disclaimer or a caveat that I'm not a medical doctor. Endocrinology is not my area of focus or expertise, but it is something that I am interested in because hormones are such an important part of overall human performance, cognitive performance, physical performance. So it's definitely something that I look at from a diet, metabolism uh, perspective and how that might affect hormones. So I do feel comfortable enough to at least give some general observations of how I'm interpreting the literature and my conversations with experts in the space and helping maybe break it down and translate it so you can take away uh, some best practices. But, and and before I go, and I want to also make another sidebar comment here, which is that when I first discovered a literature showing that the average testosterone of men has been dropping by on average 1% year over year for the last few decades, that just got my attention because that's a pretty astounding statistic. This means that the average man in 1984, 
60-year-old man had 17% higher testosterone than that same average uh, 60-year-old man in 2004. So you can almost say that each generation of men, so our fathers, had 20% more testosterone than our generation of men. And our grandfathers have an incremental extra 20% even more testosterone than our fathers. And again, all of these statistical studies controlled for uh, comorbidities or cofactors like being obese or other statuses that do affect testosterone. Um, and that's kind of scary uh, because we know that testosterone is such an important driver of male health and male fertility that just overall societies or American societies, testosterone levels are dropping uh, in an unexplained way uh, should concern all of us. And I think it's definitely something in our environment, whether that's plastics, pesticides, things that we're consuming, there's something happening in our environment that's driving this change. That's gonna be a much longer conversation. We can talk more about that, but I'm gonna get to your specific question, which is what are some easy things I can do today to help boost my testosterone? Well, let's make sure you don't have any micronutrient deficiencies. Uh, common deficiencies in vitamin D, in zinc, in magnesium, uh, potentially cholesterol, are highly associated with low testosterone. So make sure you're getting baseline decent nutrition from uh, all those micronutrient levels. So make sure you get your diet on point. Uh, make sure to lift heavy things. Uh, working your big muscle groups drives growth hormone, drives testosterone. Uh, lower cortisol. Cortisol and testosterone share the same uh, precursor of cholesterol and they're anti-correlated. So as you're more stressed out, you have lower testosterone to so reduce your cortisol. Uh, there are some supplements like uh, uh, what's in RISE, our, one of our nootropics, which is used for an anxiolytic or controlling stress. That actually drives cortisol, which in turn drives, potentially boosts and drives up testosterone. So maybe check out some uh, supplements that have shown good data to lower cortisol. Uh, make sure you have ample sleep. If you're not sleeping, you're not letting your body actually rest and get to that restorative state of deep sleep, which is also critical for your body to generate endogenous testosterone. Of course, you always got to talk about, you know, we're on a meta metabolism podcast, improve your metabolic health. Uh, obesity increases aromatase activity, and aromatase is actually the enzyme that converts testosterone into estradiol, which uh, essentially is a, a form of estrogen. So reduce your body fat, get more lean muscle mass, you have lower conversion of testosterone into estradiol. So those are some of the big things. My timer just went off here, but I'll leave it one extra bonus thing, which is uh, check out the hot sauna. That's something that I actually see really good anecdotal, uh, both clinical data and anecdotal data talking to top end performers. Uh, hot sauna use boost growth hormone testosterone. So also check that out. And then lastly, baseline your data. Ask your doctor, get the blood test, do all of these interventions, see if your numbers actually go up and down. So uh, don't just throw interventions and not measure things. Let's be good scientists. 
let's measure, let's baseline, let's try these interventions and see if we're actually moving in the right direction. So, and if you actually are a hypogonadal, meaning just actually clinically low testosterone, there are a number of pharmaceuticals or drugs that might be able to help you as well. So talk to your doctor to see if you actually have a medical problem or something you just want to optimize testosterone. Cool. So we went a little bit over time there, but a good question. Uh, I think it's something that we all should uh, think about and understand more. So I'm going to go to my second question here. Sarah Q asks, what is your morning routine? And timer is on go. Uh, good question. Um, I think you got to win the morning to win the day. And I try to keep a pretty lightweight, simple to follow routine. I know that there are a lot of biohacker guru types who have these very fancy, convoluted, complicated morning routines with gratitude journals and all of this stuff. And I'll be honest, I uh, don't think I'm at that level of performance art, I would say, of just saying, hey, I'm doing these 17 things. I, I think that's almost performance over actual efficiency. I'm smart and lazy. I want to get to my goal as quickly and as effortlessly as possible. So I try to keep my morning routine pretty simple. Um, I anchor around a couple things. I just try to set my circadian rhythm on point. Uh, so in nature, we would actually get woken up by the sun. And as we're all indoors, especially now with shelter in place and quarantine, we're not getting our circadian rhythm set by sunlight. So I try to get out onto my roof or outside, have my eyes hit the sun or the sun hit my eyes and get my circadian clock reset, get that blue light from the sun into my eyes. Um, I always hydrate. I, probably, I, you know, I, I drink a lot of water, so likely drink 12, 16 ounces of water. I take my morning supplements. I got, you know, the HVMN supplements, Rise and Kato, my dailies, uh, Kato, awesome. Omega-3 health kit essentially gets that uh, DHA, which is awesome for brain uh, function, as well as Rise, which is our sort of daily nootropic stack. Uh, that really helps set the day in a strong place. I've recently completely cycled off of coffee so I have very minimal caffeine, uh, but I do miss that warm beverage in the morning. So of recent, I've replaced that coffee habit with either decaf coffee or, or matcha tea. I know that there's some caffeine in there, but at least I'm not doing 100, 150 milligrams of caffeine in the morning. I'm doing basically sub 50 if not closer to sub 25 milligrams of caffeine, which I find as an acceptable mild, mild little stimulant in the morning to help me get started. Oftentimes I'll uh, throw in some uh, of our H1 Keto Collagen Salted Caramel as my current flavor of choice. Makes a nice, delicious morning beverage such a day. And uh, go into my, uh, my morning calls. Uh, you know, for our business, for our team, we start pretty early in the morning to get a jump on the day. So got to keep everything updated. So just fall, flow into the day. Um, if I do have a little bit extra time, I'd love to do some mobility work. So, so do some light stretches. Uh, again, on our last Free Fatty Friday, one 
been doing exercises as described in the Happy Body book. Again, nothing super magical about the book itself. It's a, it's a, it's a mixture of uh, fingertips to toes, stretching the lower back, uh, some very deep squats, some shoulder mobility exercises. Uh, again, just making sure the joints are moving. So I like to do a little bit of that if I have time, but I just try to tuck in a little bit of physical mobility in the morning. Um, on some days where I have a little bit more time in the morning, I'll just do a morning walk to hit my sun, get my circadian rhythm, and get my blood moving a little bit. Uh, I think it's great to start the day a little bit active, and I know that's not necessarily possible for folks that have families or kids or have, again, like, like myself, have just pretty busy schedules trying to take calls in the morning. Um, but that's why you have kettlebells near you. You can pick it up, do a little bit of farmer carry, do a few kettlebell swings, uh, just get the blood and uh, let your heart rate up a little bit and get the day started. If I had uh, a hot sauna at my disposal, which I do not, that would be an awesome thing to add in the morning routine. So hopefully those are accessible, not too complicated things to consider. Hydrate your morning supplements, maybe a nice warm hot beverage, uh, matcha or decaf coffee with a little bit of HVMN keto collagen, and uh, have a walk, see the sun, get your circadian rhythm set, and then from there, get on with the day, get your tasks done, um, you know, rock the day, and now the timer's off. Yeah, I think it's, uh, that's a good ritual for me. Let's get on to the next question. So John H. asks, what exercises do you recommend to maintain muscle mass? Uh, yes. Um, muscle mass is retained if you use it. Uh, muscle is, uh, is uh, our bodies are smart. If you're not using a muscle, your body sees no reason to maintain the expense of lean muscle tissue and no atrophy. So what muscle groups, maybe to answer the question broadly, what muscle groups are most important, especially for longevity and resiliency? And to me, that's our lower back and hips. Um, it feels like a lot of people as we age have lower back problems, lower back pains, hip problems, hip pains. And it's oftentimes because it's driven by that we're constantly sitting and that gets tight lower back, tight hamstrings. So one thing that I spend a lot of time doing is a lot of deep squats. So, but as close to the ground as possible and, uh, and, and squatting. And sometimes I don't need, I don't even need super heavy weights. I just like sitting in that squat position for 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, and just really open up and get that, get my hips and, and lower back used to that uh, squat position. Um, uh, I think that, uh, again, in our modern context of constantly sitting, I, uh, I think we're constantly hunched over. So I like to do a lot of pull-ups and, 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 and exercise that stretch the back so it opens up the chest and you have a better posture. Uh, so a lot of pull-ups, a lot of push-ups, I think are super solid. Something you can do essentially in between of work tasks. You can tuck that in almost any part of your day schedule. Uh, deadlifts, um, 
not something I have readily access to, nor a barbell, but those were some of my favorite exercises to maintain muscle mass. Uh, like I, I really liked doing snatch and cleans with a barbell, so Olympic power lifts. Uh, it's almost a combination of a deadlift, chest, uh, shoulders, and all in one, where you have to use a lot of power and, and, and really uh, dial in your uh, central nervous system, your brain um, body connection, where you can like dynamically link up that chain. Um, so I like those exercises. Um, I think it's also just generally good to carry around weight. Again, if you just carry around a kettlebell or wearing, wearing a weighted vest, just that uh, added pressure of just walking around seems to be a good general uh, stimulus to just make your body a little bit stronger all across the board. So those are some of my favorite exercises. Um, but as you probably can sense, I, I, I like these more functional, more chained motions. I don't really like just doing classic bodybuilding exercises because uh, as I've grown a little bit older and wanted to do more explosive movements or more sport movements, I just found that these simple exercises uh, like a bench press uh, just don't seem as functional and as useful for a lot of the sporting applications that I care more about. So I like doing more complex chained movements that seem a little bit more applicable. Um, and speaking of things that are a little bit more applicable, I like to do kind of swinging kettlebells in the transverse plane, so twisting side to side. Um, that's where a lot of injuries happen, is not in the uh, the up and down plane, but this, the, the transverse plane. So I like uh, almost swinging kettlebells side to side and really getting that lower back uh, strengthened and more flexible. So again, to answer the question in a most succinct and direct way, exercise the muscle mat areas that you want to get bigger and get stronger and progressively overload them, meaning increase the repetitions or weights over time. That's how you maintain muscle mass or grow muscle mass. But to maintain muscle mass, you just gotta act, use them. It's much easier to maintain. You gotta progressively overload to grow them. So hopefully that gives you some, there goes the bell, but hopefully that gives you some indication of what I consider very important muscle groups to be focused on as we're aging and growing and wanting to maintain functionality. And the fourth and final question for this Free Fatty Friday comes from Lucy P. What would be the top lifestyle habit that would make the most difference in peak mental health, peak physical health? If I had to choose one single lifestyle habit, I would choose intermittent fasting. I think to me, this metabolic habit uh, can cover so much in the sense that having a disciplined intermittent fasting routine covers a lot of sins. You can have a less clean diet. You can have less uh, robust exercise protocols. 
you can have all these bad habits, but if you have a very strict tight eating window of 16 hours fasted, eight hours eating, or even 18 hours fasted, six hours eating, you can still likely maintain a healthy metabolism and a healthy uh, 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 weight because of how powerful and how broad applications of fasting are. And on top of that, it's free and it's something that is accessible to everyone. Uh, that to me is why fasting is so powerful and why it's grown so quickly in just the last few years. Um, in terms of mental acuity, right, fasting is, again, one of the uh, most robust ways to consistently boost brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, which is important for the growth of new neurons or neurogenesis. And again, subjectively, and likely driven by putting your body in ketosis, a lot of folks report feeling much more mentally clear, mentally sharp when they are fasted. So in terms of peak mental health, again, that lifestyle habit of not overconsuming, getting this big insulin spike and glucose spike and then crash, and then you feel lethargic after that heavy lunch that we've all intuitively know about, you don't really get that if you're fasting. Um, and that's not even to count the, uh, the, the distraction, the decision paralysis of having to find food, especially finding healthy food. So a number of both met, metabolic, physiologic, and cultural aspects why fasting could be very powerful from a mental focus, mental health perspective. Um, moving to physical health, again, the, the majority of the problem in America is a disease or a state of overconsumption. I'm not talking about people that have eating disorders or are underweight. I'm talking about the average American who is morbidly obese and on the way to type 2 diabetes. That is most of our country. Just look around, look at the statistics. And if we can get them to tighten their eating window, not be constantly snacking, I think that is a powerful, simple intervention to have these people get to a healthier weight, healthier metabolism. And again, even back to that first question around testosterone, just that uh, reducing obesity from, from a testosterone perspective, reduce that aromatase activity that converts your testosterone into estradiol. That's something that is uh, going to be beneficial for, uh, for men and similar impact on women. Um, I think one thing that I've been curious about is that estrogen levels don't seem to be, have been impacted by our environment as much as testosterone, at least from the data that I've seen. If you know otherwise, I'd love to know if fertility rates or estrogen levels have been changing for women as drastically as it has changed for men, where not only has testosterone come down, but uh, sperm counts have crashed. In some studies, almost 40% dropped from 40, 50 years ago, which again, is a crazy sign of the health of our population. Um, the first thing to go in terms of health is our fertility. And if men on average are half as potent as we've been a generation or two ago, something's wrong with our generation of men's health. 
Uh, and I don't see why this environmental problem would only impact men and not women. So there's probably some biomarker or something also happening in women's health that we're not quite fully understanding. Um, a bit of a distracted, a bit of a segue there. But again, top lifestyle habit that I think is the most cornerstone habit. It's also very accessible. Consider intermittent fasting. Free, simple, and very, very powerful. And that's five minutes, and those are my four questions. That was fun. Have an awesome weekend, and send me your questions. Find me at Jeffrey Wu, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-W-O-O, on either Instagram and Twitter. Send me those questions, and I look forward to answering them on the next Free Fatty Friday. Have a great weekend, guys.